which is appropriate, I think, for this week, since we're talking about the 4th of July is coming up in a couple of days. But I had some ideas as I was thinking about what we were going to talk about today, um, as it relates to the idea of freedom. But before we get into the, too heavy into the lesson, what I wanted to talk about first is a little bit of uh, brief history about our country. Uh, it's 4th of July. I feel like it's somewhat appropriate. Um, and it's, I've always loved uh, history. Uh, my wife could probably attest this, uh, that anything that has to do with history, I just, I really, I really enjoy it. It's something that I really, I really like. In fact, those were some of my favorite classes. Despite being a terrible student in everything else, history was where I, t- I tended to excel. <laughs> and so, uh, especially with the uh, sort of reason the last couple of years, the recent, um, oh, I guess you would call it uh, resurgence of history uh, through some popular culture uh, songs and musicals, one in particular called Hamilton. Um, I think a lot of people are sort of getting some new perspectives on how our country was founded and started. Um, my home is big, our big Hamilton fans. Uh, so if anything you need to know about that musical, just ask me, I'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> but our country was started uh, back in the 1700s as a result of the colonists, those who were living here in, in this land, uh, feeling like they were being oppressed by the bigger country, Britain, that sort of controlled the land. And they felt oppressed for a few different reasons, but the main one was that they, they were being heavily taxed. You see, Britain and France had gotten into a little bit of a tiff again, and uh, Britain needed money to make up for uh, the war that they had just fought with France. And so what they started doing, where they were like, hey, we've got all these people in, in this new land, um, maybe we should just tax them a little bit heavier, um, and then they can, because they've got a lot of fun resources, so let's just tax them, um, and then we'll, we'll get, start make our money back a little bit. Um, well, once Britain started taxing us a little bit heavier than normal, uh, of course the colonists didn't like that. Um, and so we started to fight back. Now, one of the main reasons that we didn't like it was that while Britain controlled this land, um, the colonists had no representation in the government. Um, you may remember the phrase, no taxation without representation. And that was the whole point. The whole, uh, the whole point of, uh, of the colonists uh, being mad was that th- Britain was taxing them so heavily, but they had no say in any government decisions. Uh, and that, of course, made for some angry people. <laughs> and so as a result, we started to claim our own independence. We wanted to break free from Britain and make our own nation. Uh, and that sparked the Revolutionary War, which ended up creating America uh, through some uh, really fun uh, historical uh, facts <laughs> that we could go over. Probably I could talk about forever, but I won't, won't bore you with all of those. Um, but the idea was, the idea that we want to kind of start off with is this the, the brief history of the founding of America, what we have to know is the colonists, the people who wanted to create their own nation, wanted to be independent of Britain's oppression, was, that, was just that. They felt like they were being oppressed. 
Now here's kind of the tricky thing about uh, the colonists and their wanting to break free from Britain. They were feeling oppressed. They felt like Britain was taking so much from them and not giving them a chance to speak up for themselves. The whole no taxation without representation bit. But the problem was the colonists, while they were screaming oppression from Britain, were trying to create a new nation while still oppressing others. <laughs> you see, one of the, what you may remember about the colonists is that the vast majority of them were slave owners. And so while the colonists were screaming, don't oppress us and don't tax us without giving us a say, they owned people. And so those who felt like they were being oppressed were, in fact, oppressing others. Now, we're going to talk a little bit, about, a little bit more about what slavery means and what sla- how slavery, slavery fits into our um, narrative today. But what I wanted to do before we get into that is give a quick definition of what uh, slavery in our context today really means. Slavery, as you may, uh, you probably have already defined in your own mind, is the idea that something or someone owns you. When we talk about slavery, and when we talk about slavery in the context of what we're going to talk about today, we're talking about something that owns you. Now, the hard part about life, and especially when we look at life through a Christian lens, is that we are all slaves to something. We're all slaves to something. Now, we're going to look at John chapter 8. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to turn to John chapter 8. I was in Romans for some reason, but we're going to be in John chapter 8. In John chapter 8, Jesus is speaking uh, to some Jewish people here. We're going to be starting in verse 31. So John 8, 31 is where we're going to be. And it says this, So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed uh, him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Everybody loves that verse, right? And the truth will set you free. And then verse 33 says, They answered him, We're Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is that you say you will become free? So, this is kind of an interesting thing, right? I, was, I think it would have been really fun if I had a time machine to maybe go back to some of these conversations that Jesus had with uh, the Israelites, some of the Jews around in his day. Because Jesus was saying, hey, if you're going to believe in me, then when you start following me, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The language that he was using was language of enslavement. He, he was saying that you will no longer be a slave, you will be free. And the Jews around him said, whoa, 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 whoa man. Yeah, we're, we're Abraham's descendants. We're not slaves to anybody. I thought of a story when I was thinking about this, this verse, this interaction that the Israelites were having with Jesus in this moment. 
Uh, sometimes at our house, we, we live on a, a somewhat quiet street in the middle of Inola, which is in the middle of nowhere. But we live in this kind of quiet street, and we have a fairly good-sized yard. It's like just too big for a riding mower and just too small for like a push mower or the, whatever the other way around is. But it's a fairly good-sized yard, so we let the kids kind of go outside and we let them play or whatever. But we have some rules. Even though we live on a kind of a quiet street, um, you know, we sometimes still have to sit Buddy down and we're like, all right, Buddy, look, here's the deal. I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to be sitting here. I'm going to be taking a look at, I'm going to make a fire, a camp, little campfire for marshmallows. I'm, whatever I'm doing, I'm going to be doing this. You can play in the grass. You can play with the bubbles. You can play with your bike on the sidewalk. The only thing you can't do is go in the street. Misty has this conversation with Buddy probably 48 times before they even get outside. <laughs> now, after all of that conversation, what's the first thing that Buddy likes to do? He runs straight up to the street, sticks a toe in the street. And he does it while he's looking back at you too. He's like... Now, why would Buddy do that? Well, probably because he's a five-year-old. But Buddy, I think, does that because Buddy wants to be in control of his own life. Buddy wants to be, he wants to have the say. Braden wants to have control over what happens inside of his little circle. He doesn't need mom and dad telling him that he can't stick his foot out in the street. He wants to take his bike out in the street. The sidewalk is not long enough. He wants to ride up and down the street to the yellow mailbox and down to the stop sign, which is the space that we give them to ride. <laughs> but the reason that he does that is because Braden wants to do life his way. He doesn't want anybody controlling him. He doesn't want to feel like he is enslaved to anything. He wants to be in control. And I think that we're a lot like that in our own lives. When we start looking at our, our own lives through a Christian scope, through a Christ follower's lens, I think there's a lot of moments in our own lives where we'll say, you know what, God, I know that, I know that you've asked me to do this and I know that this is what you want from me, but I don't want to feel shackled by that. You know, I just I want to do things my own way. I'll stick my toe in the street. <laughs> you see, if we, if we claim Christ as the leader of our hearts, if we claim to be a Christian, if we say that we're going to follow Jesus no matter what, then we really only have two choices. We are either a slave to sin or we are a servant to God. That's really the only two choices that we have. If we decide to make that um, a part of who we are, if we decide to be followers of, of God and, and Christ as our Savior, then there really is only two choices. We can either be a slave to sin, totally reject what God has called us to do, or be a servant of Christ. Uh, here's why I, why I was in Romans. Let's flip over to Romans chapter 6. If you've got your Bible still, Romans chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 16. 
Romans 6, 16. And here's what Paul says in this letter. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? But thanks be to God that, through, that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Man, some powerful words. Paul's speaking. He's reminding us that once we were once slaves to sin, but as soon as we made the decision to turn our lives and follow Jesus, we had to become servants of Christ. We had to become, the language it uses, slaves to righteousness. <coughs> Ooh, that was crazy. Now, a lot of times we'll talk about, um, when we're talking about what it means to make that change, we use the word, uh, this kind of Christianese word, repent, right? Repent is actually, uh, from Scripture, while it's, when it's used in Scripture, is a military term. If you've, You may have heard this before. But the idea is that you are going one way, and it's, it's when, like, uh, the military uh, yells, out, or drill instructor yells out to, to about face, to turn around. It's doing a 180 and going the other direction. And that's the idea of repent. What repent means is that you were going this way and you have now decided to go this way. <laughs> when we were slaves to sin, we were going in the wrong direction. And we would, when we decided to make that change, when we decided to live for Jesus and do what Jesus has called us to do, we made that turn. But when we make that turn, we have to leave sin behind. When you make that 180, everything that was facing you is now at your back. And when we talk about leaving the slavery of sin and becoming a servant of Jesus, what God is calling us to do is leave all the junk behind us. Paul goes on to say in verse 19 in Romans 6, I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, for just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? The outcome of those things is death. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification. The outcome is eternal life. And I love, this is verse 23. This is the best verse. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus. <coughs> what Paul is reminding us here in these words is that when we were sinning, there was no benefit. There was no eternal benefit to the sin that we were committing in our lives when we were slaves to it. I want you to take a moment and think about the thing that maybe uh, has been a struggle for you in your life. I've got, I've got it in my mind already, what's, what's hitting me in my life. That thing that you get that, that trips you up every time. You've tried so hard in your life, over and over, to get over it. 
You've asked for God's help. You've, have, you've had accountability partners. You pray about it. You read Scripture. But every time it props up in your life, it trips you up again. And if you think about that thing, in the moment, sure, maybe it, maybe it feels good. Maybe it makes you happy. Maybe whatever that sin is, in the moment, feels like the right thing to do. But really think about the eternal benefit of that sin. There's probably none. And what Paul is saying is that leave it behind. If it doesn't do you any good, what's the point? <laughs> if it doesn't do you any good, why do it? What we should be focusing our lives on and our hearts on and the way that we live our lives is the things that will give us the eternal benefit. The wages of sin, the sin that we commit, this thing that makes us happy in the moment, there's no benefit except death. That's the only thing you get from it. If we continue to be slaves of our sin, the only thing, the only result, the only payout is death. But if we make that turn, if we decide to live our lives the way that God has called us to live, if we become servants of Christ instead of slaves to our sin, break that bondage, then we get the free gift of eternal life. This week when we get to, when we get to the 4th of July, we get to do lots of fun things. We get to shoot off fireworks, we get to see. Maybe, maybe you're not into shooting off fireworks. Maybe you just like to watch. <laughs> Our friend and neighbor posted a video online that she, uh, she, of her favorite firework, which I was like, I know her a little bit, so maybe it's like, maybe it's the Roman candles. Maybe she likes the big ones that, that make really loud noises. Those are my favorite. No, she posted a video of what looked, those little like, those little black snakes you just put a light on it and it just goes and that's all it does but she had like 48 of them that she had done <laughs> she's like she was super into the black snakes thing but hey if that's how you get down on the 4th of July that's great celebrate freedom with the black snake <clears throat> but when we talk about the 4th of July when we talk about um, celebrating our nation's independence and we talk about freedom there's a lot of things to celebrate. We get to live in a country that truly does have a lot of freedoms. When you compare our country to a lot of other countries around the world, yeah, there's a lot to celebrate. We get to meet in a church each and every week without fear of being oppressed for that. Despite what uh, we may hear in the media we still get to do that. <laughs> and it's okay for us to do that. There are some places that it's not. One of the hardest things for me to, to hear, based on what I've studied as far as the history of our founding, uh, the country's founding goes, is that, and I read this great article last night that really put it into to perspective for me one of the things that's always been hardest for me to hear people debate and, and well, well, debate's probably not the right word. It's more yelling, <laughs> I think. But I hear a lot of the times that, 
we need to get back to our roots. We need to get back to being a Christian nation. And I'm quickly reminded that while most of the founding members of our country were probably believers in God, there was a very stark distinction between creating a government and having a faith. You see, one of the things that was important to them, and we talk about, we hear the term separation of church and state a lot. But what that really means is that the government, the idea was that the government would not create a government-funded and government, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a state church. See, that was part of the problem in England. When they were all in England, England had a church. <laughs> it was the state, it was the government's church. A lot of, uh, through a lot of Britain's history, um, a lot of the faith was centered around Catholicism. And then one king got upset at the Pope and decided to make his own church. <laughs> he didn't like Catholics anymore. He just wanted his own church. So he started the Church of England. You kind of now know it as the Anglican Church. <clears throat> but part of what we wanted to start in this country was a country that had no government-issued faith system. We created a nation where people would be free to worship the way that they wanted to worship instead of being told how to worship. Now, again, I think that there are a lot of, there's a lot of evidence that a lot of the founding members of our country and of our government were believers in God. But what we have to understand is that, yes, we, we live in a country that has a lot of freedoms. We live in a country uh, that provides us a space to meet and to, to worship uh, the way that we want to. But our loyalties are not to a government. Our loyalties are not to politicians or to whatever, whatever it is. Our loyalty is to God. Our loyalties are to Jesus, our Savior. Wall Street will never save us. <laughs> Pennsylvania Avenue will never save us. Never save us. <laughs> the only way that we break the bondage, the wages of our sin, is to give in to righteousness, to become a servant of Jesus. The only way that we experience true freedom is by making that turn, putting all the junk behind us and moving to what Jesus has called us to do in our lives. The colonists got it half right. They wanted to make a space that was a space that people would feel free, that they wouldn't be oppressed by a government and yet, they were kicking people out of their homes and land that they had lived on for years and years before they ever got there. They were bringing people to our country against their will to put them to work without representation or pay. And some doing it harshly. <clears throat> 
When we talk about true freedom, we don't want to do it half right. When we talk about true freedom, with the freedom that God gives us, the freedom that God is calling us to, we don't want to do it just a fraction of the way. God's calling us to a life of freedom that we would never truly appreciate until we decide to give Him all of ourselves. It is, admittedly, a strange dichotomy. We throw off our slavery to sin, only to become servants of Jesus. But when we are a slave to Jesus, we are free. (laughs) And I know that that doesn't make sense (laughs) to say out loud. But I can assure you that if you don't do a half measure, if you give your whole self, if we give our whole selves over to God, if we make that decision to turn away from the junk that keeps us down, the, the junk that whose only payout is death, God's ready and willing to give us the gift, as we see in Romans chapter 6, the free gift of eternal life. We just have to make that conscious decision to turn away from what has brought us down, the shackles, the chains of our sin, and become a servant of Jesus. And that one of the best ways that we can do that, one of the best ways to experience true freedom in our own life is to fight for the freedom of others. When our country was founded, there were lots, well, not sometimes not enough, but there were lots of men, lots of women too, who decided to stand up for those that were around them and fight for their freedom. I've said it before and and I'll probably say it again. There's a lot of negativity in our country these days. There's a lot to be upset about. But when we start talking about what we can experience being free in Christ, one of the best ways, and when I say one of the best ways that we can do that is by fighting for the freedom of others, sure, there's a lot for us to be upset about here in our own country, but there is even more to be upset about in the world around us. Real slavery still exists. Girls being traded just to have sex with men that are twice, four times their age. Children being stolen from their homes in Africa to become soldiers. Children all across the world, even in our own communities, who will go hungry tonight because their parents either have neglected them or can't afford to buy them food. You see, there's a lot in our world to be upset about. And we experience true freedom, the freedom that God has called us to when we throw off our own sin and we start fighting for the freedom of others. Because only God, only through Jesus and the cross, can we experience 
the type of freedom that brings us true life. Father, thank you for this moment, this place where we get to celebrate the freedom that you offer us. God, you've told us in Scripture that if we, have, if we choose to live this life, if we truly choose to be a follower of you, this life won't be easy. But God, we do so because we know the end game. Father, the only thing that our sin pays out is more pain and death and more heartache. But God, when we give that stuff to you, when we throw it off, when we make that turn and put it at our backs and we become a servant to you, that's when we experience true freedom. And God, when we experience true freedom in our own lives and in our own hearts. May you convict us to see that we need to fight for the freedom of others. Whether that is true physical slavery that they experience here on this planet or the people around us who have never heard of you or have heard of you but have never accepted you as their Savior for they are still in slavery to their sin. God, give us the strength we need to overcome our own so that we can fight for the freedom of others. God, we love you. We thank you for Jesus, without whom all of this would have no meaning. Thank you for who you are, what you continue to do, and we ask this in his name. Amen. If you're here